0: Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's keeping well in the world right now.
1: Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Herbal tea in hand, I am in my late thirties,
2: <laughs> and there's nothing to follow that either. Hello, guys and girls, <laughs>
0: <laughs> fellas. How are we doing? If we had a good week,
1: I'm nearly, I'm nearly cast off. And I don't mean that in a spiritual sense or being exiled from my family. My The cast on my arm's nearly gone, so I can finally drive an automobile again and have this, the freedom of the road, which so I'm very much looking forward to. It.
2: It's been relatively chilled, really. <laughs> after um, after Sunday's farce, since West Ham, I've just, until tonight, I haven't had a drink and really done anything. I just sat around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just having the easy life. Yeah. I like it. Very good.
2: Got holiday, holiday to use. I'm going to use it. So,
0: oh, that's it, isn't it? You may as well. May as well. Right. So, I suppose we better start talking about some film news. Um, the biggest news since we last recorded one was that the Oscar nominations are out. Pair of the Dogs got twelve nominations, followed by June Belfast, West Side Story, all getting a shit ton of nominations as well. Was there any surprising entries or surprising snubs in this year, Stu? Pig. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah,
2: <laughs> just it, it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, campaigning for it for a year, <laughs> talking about it every week. We weren't the only ones doing this. There was mm-hmm. it, it had a lot of people quite pissed off by the looks of Twitter. Well, I not just our Twitter either. And when you when you just search for it and you go down the pig rabbit holes and a lot of people seem to be very annoyed that it wasn't even talked about, let alone nominated.
0: Mm. They had like, uh, John Krasinski was there banging the drum for it. So it's not like it was an underground movement. A list celebrities were talking about it and it got nothing. Like I, I thought at least sound editing or something like that, it might've got in on because they were all fantastic elements to it. But, Sadly, not a sniff.
2: Where well, that doesn't get in and don't look up does. I don't understand <sighs> it.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm. I'm in agreement. I, I didn't hate. Don't look up. I thought it was fine. But like best picture, like no <laughs> mate, no, not at all. Matt, anything that you were surprised to see on there, or surprised well, not to see on there? Right. <sighs>
1: June deserves nominations for certain categories, but best picture it does not deserve Mm. a a, a nomination for. That is, that's a backhander gone wrong somewhere. That is, we need to, we're talking, (laughs) we're talking Italy and the Juve scandal going on here with this. (laughs) Um, And, and like it, it also was nominated for editing, which I, which I also find a bit bizarre to be honest, because I don't think, I think, some of these like ridiculously long exposed shots that just these I, I it just editing wise I just didn't think it was it like cinematography I could understand and mm-hmm. like effects and everything else yes but um for for a film that plodded on the way it did for, to be nominated for best picture and um, editing is a bit strange for me personally
2: fully yeah. deserved
0: I'm in agreement with you Matt it's like it's not a complete film there's still like half a story missing so. It's not the best picture because there's not a story there yet. So it'd be like giving Lord of the Rings The Fellowship the best picture when you've still got two-thirds of the story to go. It it doesn't
2: really make sense to me. Which is why he didn't get it, and everything went to Return of the King in the end. Yeah,
0: and and that makes sense. Because you'd be judging Return of the King on the three films. Yeah, yeah. And I think you'd need to do that with June, and I don't think the first film was a great movie, in and of itself. Time will tell, obviously, but yeah, I, I agree with Matt. I, I, it's not it for me. I was a bit surprised to see Nicole Kidman getting nominated for being the Ricardos. It's an absolute dog shit film, mm. and she was bang average. And yet, like, there's no Lady Gaga in there. I, I understand why House of Gucci wasn't nominated, but I thought she was really good. And also, I thought the Suicide Squad deserved a little bit of love. I thought the probably one of the best visuals of the year, whereas Spider-Man, whatever it was called, that's some of the jankiest CG I've seen in any movie. Like when Norman jumps on his glider and he seems to shrink to four foot nothing. Like it looked really bad and that got nominated, but the Suicide Squad I thought was excellent with Starro and everything and got nothing.
1: I'm surprised that No Time to Die got a visual effects nomination as well. Because what visual effects, really? (laughs) <laughs> like, like, unless unless the really long intro, like, got it. Um, we also got original um song one for Billie Eilish as well, which favorite know, to win as well. Apparently, which, you know it's no Chris Cornell, but um, so that's I, personal
2: choice. I don't even know. I can't think of what the, how the song even goes. For no time, I've no idea. No, I,
0: I yeah. will have heard it, but I've got a clue what
2: it is. Chris Cornell. I mean, I've played that thing over and over again. Hmm. That that, a, I, I, and it, his wasn't amazing. even the,
1: you know, of recent memory. I do think uh, it was Adele who did Skyfall. Skyfall yeah. That was inc- like, Skyfall was class as a song. To be fair, not a massive Adele fan, but um, yeah, I think that was really good.
0: Mm. Anyway, uh, moving on, the internet's wettest of wet dreams, Andrew Garfield, and a true crime story. Um, he's appearing in a series called Under the Banner of Heaven. It's about the. Death of uh, Brendan Lafferty, it's not a story I'm aware of, but Garfield plays a fundamentalist Christian detective whose faith is shaken by events of horrific crime. Also starring Daisy Edgar-Jones from Normal People, Sam Worthington from Avatar, Wyatt Russell from Black Mirror and formerly Kurt Russell's Balls, and Rory Culkin, one of the lesser-known but still a very good Culkin brother. It feels a bit strange because we don't seem to get a lot of true crime films anymore. I mean I know this is a TV series, but the, the, the based on true events film doesn't happen all that much anymore, unless it's a big House of Gucci, like a, a story that was worldwide when it came out. We don't get the smaller stories. With the rise of true crime podcasts, why is that? You'd think they'd be all over the place, Matt.
1: I think because the market has been so saturated in great, you know, Netflix and to a lesser, um, lesser extent, Amazon prime, they've you know, we know they've revolutionized the format. So series Mm. arcing, that was why the Tinder Swindler was so good that it wasn't a, a dragged out series. It was a, you know, it was a feature film length documentary. Um, I think people just want to consume their things in smaller chunks these days like that. And Mm -hmm. I think it it serves well for true crime because you can, you can cliffhanger it every episode. If you want a new case is developed. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, something else has been found. There's been a shocking discovery. You can't really do that in film over a two hour period.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It would be really jarring if they had like a sixth of the way through, they had a cliffhanger. So I think that's (laughs) why you don't get it a lot in true crime, if I'm honest um which is good or bad i suppose depending on how you like to consume your
2: media and i think it's going to be after making a murder I and mean, we you know everyone went to watch the staircase which had already been out before it. Yeah. Um, yeah and you had that that kind of boom effect and people were loving it and there's only so much crime that goes on <laughs> and I, I know we live here um but still there's only so much content out there so there's got to be it comes to a stage where you ain't gonna find anything that's hidden away anymore that people Mm. don't know the end of so i think that's probably plays a part in in it as well because especially with like you said about the podcasts i mean how how revolutionary true crime podcasts were at that time a couple of years ago and now it's like um that horror podcast that i used to listen to that i've completely forgot the name of um That they turned that into an animated series based on lore, Mm. l o r e, lore. Um, that he turned that into a kind of animated 30 minute episode per week kind of animated thing. It just didn't really work because it it worked as true as a supernatural podcast of ghost stories and terrible tales and things like that. So I think using up all the material and people changing to. Bite-sized stuff with cliffhangers like Making a Murderer was. Mm. You either go one of two ways, and it's weird. Yeah, it is definitely weird, but I think there is a lot of reasons why they've kind of petered out. But they have.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Also, TV series news: Futurama is coming back, returning to Hulu for twenty episodes, which I assume means we will probably get it on Disney Plus. Um, which is great news. I really enjoyed Futurama. But what's not such good news is that Hulu will be recasting Bender after John DiMaggio confirmed he will not be returning. He stated it's all about self respect, and honestly, if being tied to an industry that's become far too corporate and takes advantage of artists' time and talent. Basically, they lowballed him and he told them to fuck off. <laughs> Personally, I think it's a real poor move on Hulu's part, especially as they've got Disney money behind them. They can pay whatever they want to pay to get the guys. And for me, it kind of just shows that voice actors don't get the respect they deserve. Would they have done that if this was a live-action show and just decided that such-and-such a character isn't worth the pain, so they'll recast him? I don't think it would. If they bought that Breaking Bad, I don't think they would recast Skylar, for example. Mm. So... Two questions Do you like Futurama? And secondly, what do you think about Joe DiMaggio's stance,
2: Stu? I've probably seen a couple of episodes, but that whole groundy world I just never got. Mm-hmm. Never, it's not, I don't get it, it's not my thing at all. None of them are. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's right, he's, he's completely in the right with this one. You can't fault him, yeah. Matter you were Because I know you like The Simpsons. So yeah,
1: you... uh, yeah, I've I've I've, I've enjoyed uh, Futurama. To be fair, I mean, it... <sighs> Futurama. It, it was ne- the thing was it was a weird thing because it was never the hipster choice, Futurama, because mm. the hipster choice was, is now Rick and Morty, and it was there, was, there wasn't a sci-fi version of it that like, really springs to mind. But it was never the hipster's choice. But it, it never had the Major appeal that the Simpsons had, either, but because of that, it could explore things you know, it could touch on race and it could touch on things like that very occasionally. That the Simpsons never really mm. did, to, to, other than you know very very fleeting moments i like Future Armour, but i'm not obsessed with it when it you know i, I kind of checked out when it started doing things like a beast with a billion backs or whatever it was called and yeah. some of the specials after those specials i kind of checked out of it if i'm honest um mm, same the thing about um dimaggio is yeah they probably doesn't get the respect that he deserves when you look at his actual um credits He's got an unbelievable career when it comes to games and, and um, animation and things like that anyway. So you'd think people should be fighting to pay him whatever he wants, you know what I mean? He's 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 the standard in the industry in many ways, especially in the gaming community. Um, but, you know, he's obviously not short of a few quid himself, and if he can use that power that he's got to make a stand and make a point, I respect that massively. So well done to him.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a bit like um, when they replaced Mark Hamill in uh, Arkham Origins because he what well, he wasn't the Joker was he in there? That? that was John DiMaggio in Origins, and mm. that was a that was a kind of because it was a different studio, even though it was the same world. That was a bit weird, and it didn't really work, did it? And people hate that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does have like the ones who
0: love it are the proper sort of. Core, hardcore of it, but there aren't many. It's uh, it's, it's not the same, and it, without Hamill doing the voice, it, it, it's not the Joker, unfortunately. Uh, Sonic News, um, so we're still a couple of months away from Sonic 2. The Sonic verse will be expanding, so they've currently said that they will be doing a Sonic 3 and also a Knuckles TV series, currently slated for 2023. Thoughts on this, Stu?
2: Yes. More, more, more. <laughs> just milk it for as long as you possibly can do. People love that first film. The reaction to the trailer for the second one was mental, looking at the, <laughs> the, the number of views that it had on YouTube. Um Yeah, just... <laughs> you don't want to just leave it there, especially with things as niche as this, and especially how long the Sonic movie's been in production hell, well, production hell for... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just bring it on. If it works, it works. If not, who cares? But at least, they're, at least they're trying, and they're giving people what they want. So,
0: mm-hmm. Matt, do you think they could do like bringing Alex Kidd and all these other characters and do a um, Sega verse almost?
1: Yeah, because take don't take this the wrong way. We are in the age of the man child, aren't we? Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because, kid, because kids aren't going to know these characters very well unless they're in Super Smash Bros., or something like that um but they're not the ones that pay for these platforms anyway so fuck them you know what i mean like you know there are are still plenty you know for for game properties and ips it's never been a better time to be a content creator for these because the people that loved the games when they were little now have adult money so Mm. they can spend on things as much as they want and you know subscribe to whatever platform they want to be able to watch it so they'll never get it as good as this um, so yeah, why not bring these characters into the world? Then you can license it and do what the hell you like with it and earn that cheddar.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you've got the um, very cleverly as well. Then put in um, Sonic uh, Team Sonic Racing for free on PlayStation Plus this month as well, which is clear, uh, yeah. clearly a, a thing of oh yeah, this is, Sonic's back. And then mm. you get to see the Sonic trailer soon. It's all very clever. They know, what they're,
0: they know the game they're playing,
2: don't they? Yeah.
0: Fans of Christopher Nolan will undoubtedly have already seen it, but his first Universal Studios film, Oppenheimer, the cast list has been released. So David Dasmalchian from Suicide Squad, he is joining the cast, which already boasts Killian Murphy for the titular role, Kenneth Branagh, Jack Quaid, Dane DeHaan, Josh Hartnett, Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Benny Safdie, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, and Emily Blunt—like <laughs> that is one hell of an ensemble. I don't think I've ever seen a, a a cast of rising stars, established A-listers, and tenured greats quite to that level. It, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, Matt, obviously you're a Nolan fan, bar tennis. You've you've got to be intrigued by that cast alone, surely. You've got,
1: you've got to, yeah. I mean, you know, this isn't um this isn't one to be sniffed at. You you can only hope that every actor has their his or her self in check and don't try and steal a scene and try and be <laughs> you know, trying to be the main event when they're curtain jerking at the start of the card. That's a very niche wrestling restaurant. <laughs> um but do you know what i mean there's not going to be a lot of time for everybody there so it's going to be strange to see you know big established stars not potentially get a lot of screen time it's a nolan film so it could be three hours long that like granted but um it's going to be yeah really looking forward to it. it's something the thing is with nolan now he's got himself established as a um as an event filmmaker now
2: mm-hmm. do you know what i
1: mean when he produces something it is always a big deal check your calendar it's got to be kind of you've got to watch it within the first couple of days otherwise it'll get spoiled for your territory yeah um and this will be no different
0: Mm. i mean seeing the cast kind of reminded me of the wes anderson film that was out last year the french dispatch and that had some actors in like um elizabeth moss was in it for example and you literally see her in the background of a scene and that's pretty much all she does He's just has one line and then she's just a supporting actor for the rest of it because Wes Anderson is the kind of director that people just want to work with and I think that is also Nolan mm. so even someone like you Robert Downey Jr who doesn't need it he wants to work with Christopher Nolan surely because yeah. he's
2: this kind of a guy and that's exactly what um Killian Murphy said there this week um where he said if it, I don't care what he wants me to do. He could just ring me up and I'll do five minutes as long as he, as long as he's got <laughs> something for me to do. I'll will work for him. And mm. you think, well, fair play to you. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got someone like Killian Murphy saying things like this about a certain director, then you've got to be thinking, okay, this is what A-list stars think as well. And all right, that it is proper event movie time every time. He, I mean, even Dunkirk, which is mm. very right. RARA war things, and you don't kind of get everyone going to see war films. But even you went to a war film and you liked it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's what was that one with Tom Hanks where there was loads of people in that film, and he played different characters.
0: The one with Halle Berry and Hugh Grant. Yeah. Oh, that's going to annoy me. Um, I didn't see it, but apparently it was not good. No, is that the,
1: is that, that, that try the
0: trailer for these new one. No, it's an old film from about five six years back. No, I never
2: saw it either because it looked shit. But it yeah, apparently, had...
0: terrible. Apparently,
2: yeah, but it had a, that was had a, a, quite a few people in it. Cloud Atlas, Claude, That's the one.
0: Two thousand and twelve, Cloud Atlas. I think that was a Wachowski's film, if I remember correctly. Ten years ago. God, yeah, that's nearly three hours long. Okay, now, now I couldn't stomach it. I'd heard bad reviews. But yeah, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? The people just want to be there and be part of the what's going on, I think. Uh, and finally, A Quiet Place Part 3 has been given a release date for September 2023. Part 2 managed to rake in 300 million, and it was one of the first films to be released in cinemas post-pandemic. So obviously that was enough to convince the studios to let the story continue. Uh, Emily Blunt and the kids are going to be back. John Krasinski is going to be involved. No word on Killian Murphy. Um, but the other good news in that is that it's Michael Scianoski will be directing. Obviously, the man behind our beloved Cage film Pig, finally getting a shot at the big time, which is is kind of awesome to see. Steve, what are you thinking about that?
2: Amazing. I mean, we were with, I think there was only us who. Everyone knew, who we we're talking about A Quiet Place, the first one anyway mm. um, and the second one kind of suffered a bit because it, it was in the situation that it was, that it, it was released here and people weren't scared here like they were in America and like no one went to see it over there but, and it still managed to bring in this kind of uh, box office so yeah spot on that for him it's rich reward to get a film like this in what's now a franchise and there's going to be a a quiet place game as well. Um, but I don't don't really know much about that. Uh, other than that, it's again like we said with Sonic striking while you can, and why not? Mm. But yeah, well, good luck to him. I'll come wait.
0: Matt, is this enough to convince you to watch a quiet place, even though it's a bit scary? <laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> what I like about
1: this is Sarnowski, um, who. Replied to our DMs at the very least because I DM'd him the other day, slid into his DMs. He only joined Twitter in 2021, so only has 590 followers, which I find incredible for a director that he's going to be doing a Quiet Place Part Three.
0: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> but he is he is, um, he is uh, verified ticked though, so he's obviously got friends in high places. When are mm. we going to get our ticket? That's what I yeah. want to
2: know. Is
0: that Right. <laughs> Wonderful. So that's the news. Uh, Matthew, have we had any listener questions?
1: Boy, have we? Yes. Uh, So let's go for it. Quick fire. Uh, TK, you get to make a biopic about an actor, artist, musician on the great debate of art versus artist and separating a flawed person from the appreciation of their work. Who is your pick? Andy, I'm going to go for you first before Stu potentially gets us taken off the air.
0: <laughs> My first thought was John Lennon, because he's obviously lionised for his wonderful music. But away from that, he was a bastard to his first wife and um, Julian isn't it, is his first son. Like he wasn't a good father. We, we know mm. this about him. But that gets overlooked, obviously, one, because he was a phenomenal musician, and two, because he died before his time. Mm -hmm. So I think John Lennon could be a good exploration. There there are many, many people who have been shits but phenomenal artists. But I think Lennon could be a really good exploration of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Stu, what are you calling the Gary Glitter biopic?
2: (laughs) You know what? Before he before he was caught, because there's no point in saying before he before he did it all, because he's probably been doing it his entire life. Yeah. Um, before he he was caught with all the nonsery. the um, I mean, his work's brilliant. Let's <laughs> just say what it is. It's it's it is brilliant. The song the songwriting and the music's great and everything. And so the fact that some of it is still used now, kind of, mm. uh, it, it doesn't really matter. There were there were twelve. It was all right. Um I think it actually would be a, a good if you could somehow do it some way without being too bad um until you get to when it's cuz you couldn't have a whole film of him messing with kids could you fucking you know um but his life and the kind of the whole era of 70s like glam rock and that could be quite interesting but obviously you yep. can't because it's too it's too controversial. Mm. So I mean, it, it's the easy choice, but it's got to be Michael Jackson, eh? yeah. Mm. It, it is
1: easy choice. But then, how you know it could be completely just glamorizing the man, or do you take it more down the trial of OJ Simpson route and have it around the trial? You know what I mean? Like, do you take it up to the trials? You, do, you know, do you take it up to the this is it? Was so that the name of the tour he did where he died? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um you know where do you go with it there's such a story like you could do a film on just his youth and how he was like bullied so much and the jackson five and everything like there's such a story there to be told
0: Mm. really is so you're gonna go with ian watkins then surely matt
1: yeah oh not not for (laughs) me um well i was gonna make i was gonna try and make a pun then but i couldn't remember if it was shouting from the rooftops was the name of one of their songs i think it's um, lost on me. I only yeah, know a term, yeah,
0: a term called hypocrisy is the only one I know. Yeah.
1: Um, to be fair, like you've got your obvious ones, like you know Chris Benoit and the like. Mm. Um, but like he's not flawed. He wasn't flawed. He like murdered his family, so I suppose it's a bit more than flawed. <laughs> I guess. Um, it's funny because the first thing I thought about, and I think I've said it on this podcast before, is that they already did what I've you know they already did Ali or Ali, mm. I should say um and 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 painted him out to be generally you know the world's greatest boxer which you know for, for, for many he was but they did touch on the fact that he wasn't a perfect human being which 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 was good even if he, he, you know many people choose to forget that mm-hmm. um yeah i think you know sporting stories people that are in the limelight and things like that are always going to be good choices for these as well
2: Mm, but um yeah, yeah
1: there's plenty there's plenty out there. Let us know on the um on the Twitter what you would uh, what you would have. Um Andrew Wright, what is your favorite movie with the word the in the title?
2: Hmm.
0: That's such a difficult question because it is. I can't think of a single fucking one. Shaun of the Dead, of course, it's Shaun of the Dead.
2: Of course it is easy. Why did a... it take me that long to think of one? Oh, well, by the time this comes out it'll be The Batman, right? We've well, yeah yeah
0: well
1: he's he's got a good follow-on question um unrelated which movie x would you not want to be your ex i mean it could this could be like a scott pilgrim area for you andy i feel like because he's it, not particularly you know could be one of the many exes
0: <laughs> yeah true i was thinking more of the bunny boiler but i couldn't remember the film the sharon stone one oh basic uh, instinct is, is that the one no, a you think you're
2: thinking basic attraction with um well, that's Michael
1: Douglas. Not Michael yeah. Douglas, um yeah, but it it's Michael yeah. Douglas, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it is, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah, Glenn the close. bunny boiler one is, that that's it, Glen close. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of terrifying, isn't it? I'm thankful I've never had anyone quite that obsessed with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> uh Richard Hobbs wants to know, rank your live action movie Batman Villains um so rate me give me the top three uh andy and stew i you want your three worst uh, live action batman <laughs> villains
0: so my top three i mean it's got to be the joker heath ledger version for me far and away he was the best one um in second place i really liked killian murphy as uh, scarecrow mm-hmm. I, I really like killian murphy anyway i think he's a very good actor and I think that was a time when I hadn't really got into the Bat world and didn't know a whole lot about it other than the Burton and Schumacher films. Um, It was just a wonderful surprise. I I thought, excellent. And probably Danny DeVito as Penguin. As much as I'm not a massive fan of the Burton films, I, I do like Danny DeVito and he was excellent in that movie. He was... Easily the best thing apart from Michelle Pfeiffer's skin-tight leather cat suit.
2: <laughs> oh dear, the worst. Um, uh, <laughs> it's got to be Arnie. Eh? <laughs> Arnie's funny, but he's not good, is he? No, it's not good. I mean, everyone in that everyone in that film could be in this list. Um, yeah, Bane would be down. Bane, there. Bane's the second. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the third. <sighs> You know, the third is going to be the shark from the '60s film, because <laughs> it's just thicky. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like I it a lot. Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> Todd, uh, are there any Nick Cage movies that can be used as an as analogies for the different football leagues? Wow, that's a that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, could we use? I'm trying to think of. Well, if you rate it in terms of quality, then yes, you absolutely could. But I'm trying to think, are there any films that are like, you know, showing um, the dizzying high life and then the, do- the absolute doldrums below? I suppose, you know, would you want Bad Lieutenant as League 2 where there are no rules? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. 8 millimetres as the National League. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
0: I mean, face-off could maybe be the championship because it's a case of everyone's just swapping positions with everybody. Like As you it. can go from, like, second to 13th in the space of, like, two months.
1: Bong, bong. Um, yeah. And finally, uh, David Evans, uh, would you pay an extra 5 to £8 pounds more on your ticket at the cinema if it meant you didn't see any adverts and trailers at the start and go straight to the film, Stew?
2: No, it's expensive enough. Just, you could just go lighter, or you just go deaf like I do. That's it's it's
0: a nice to witness this when the Batman trailer came on before the Jackass movie, and he literally put his hands over his ears. <laughs> like, I thought he was humming at one point. I tried to take a picture, but obviously it was pitch black in there at that point, so he couldn't. It was it was brilliant. It, it it's just, like the highlight
2: of the movie. It just my, I can just pop my ears on command. But I can only do it for a couple of minutes before it starts to hurt. Um, <laughs> it it's like when I used to, so funny. It's like when I used to drink <laughs> through an eye. It's like one of the things, I don't know how I discovered it, I just did. Um, In a way, it's like a subscription service, because eh? you can do this on ITV Hub as well. You can pay three quid to so not have yeah. adverts. Mm. But do I do that now?
0: <laughs> yeah, Andy, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I would pay an extra five to eight quid to have nobody sat near me, but I'm not (laughs) sure that that, that's in... I don't think that an extra five to eight quid per film would give a cinema the same kind of money that running an advert would. And also by showing the trailers, they're kind of trying to future-proof themselves and get themselves money in two, three months down the line when that film comes in. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, I quite like a trailer, just to know what's, just to see what else is out there, and you might find something you've never heard of and end up going to see it. So, I I wouldn't personally. It does piss me off the twenty-five to thirty minutes length of it, but it's a a small trade-off for me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could do without the adverts, but I like the trailers. But I do find the sitting there, the preamble of it all, I don't mind. But I have a real I just have a thing about tardiness. I, I like. I I don't like to be late for a screening because I don't want to be that person that's cl- like in the dark trying to clamour his seat and mm. like trip up and everything else and be Johnny Come Lately. So I've got to sit through it regardless anyway. But no, I, I like the trailers because I like to know what's coming up and you know I'm I'm not going to be the one that's trawling YouTube for trailers. Like I I need them to present it <laughs> to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to stumble across it myself. Um, so yeah, I, I I quite like it. Who you um,
2: trolls YouTube for trailers?
1: Man, some of these there are there are dedicated accounts for trailers, they're huge, man. Mm. They get like they get re- pull ridiculous numbers.
0: Yeah, the ones are the ones who do like the like Watch Mojo Steam by like scene like, breakdown of them. You'll get ones that will go through each individual graphic on it and say, so well, like the um Doctor Strange one. If you look in the reflection ugh. of this mirror, you'll see fucking the fat kid from Spider Man like Fuck <laughs> off. Like it, but yeah, people don't people obsess over these things? Mm. Not for me, but yeah, they do.
1: Not for me, ever. Well, mm. those are our questions for this week, so thank you very much for getting in touch, as always. Answer it and we will come. That's not the phrase, but I'll just leave you with that image. <laughs> Something like you. That.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, thank you very much. All right, hot take corner. For the first time ever, the Oscars have done a fan vote for the best picture as voted by dweebs on Twitter. Is it just me or is that pathetic? Or is that the best thing ever to let the fans vote on someone to win the most prestigious award in film? Stu? Um,
2: I think doing it on Twitter was a bad idea. just Because it can get kind of warped and everything. But say if they contacted, I don't know, say people who like films and not just to wind people up. Say, I don't know, like people who've got cards like we have for Cineworld, there's got to be other equivalents all over the world, either. So, say if you remember some kind of member of a cinema somewhere, you get a vote. Maybe there's something in that. Um, at, the, at least then you verify who's doing it and whatever. And I don't think that's a bad idea because, like we all will, I mean, even growing up, every year you think, oh, well, the Oscars is just people voting for shit films that no one ever watches, and yet the popular ones never get talked about. So, mm. and in, case, in this case, like Pig, what we talked about, Pig missing out, we would have all voted for Pig this mm. year. So, you know, I, I know you're going to get the flip side of that, that people are going to vote for Uncharted, but it's the price you pay. I think, yeah. At, Films are supposed to be for everyone, not just a few wankers who get moist over silence. So, just give the people at least a little chance.
1: I mean, we could go like, you know, there's got to be a a way of going Eurovision about it and having like a, you know, eight weeks to go. Is that all it is? Yeah. You know what? We need to start promoting our um, our, uh, Eurovision live special. You know how like we were live tweeting throughout Eurovision <laughs> <last> year. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. That was. I had a really great time. In fact, Stu, um are you gonna have a party for it? Cause if you are, I want in.
2: Possibly. We'll we could do a tomorrow. watch. Yeah, we could. Oh. Th- we could have a watch along. Could live stream watch along. Oh my, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, Andy, you playing?
1: I'll we'll
0: see. You can't say <laughs> you
1: didn't enjoy it last year. It was great. To be it fair, it was
0: fun. To be fair, it was fun.
1: And it involved alcohol in it, and I'm I'm, I'm game. <laughs> um, re- regarding the fan vote thing, you know, you know. We've said it before. Popularity doesn't um, doesn't mean quality. Take you know, the the WWE or take the FIFA franchise or anything like that. You know, popularity doesn't mean it's going to be any good. That being said, it doesn't necessarily mean that that everything that's popular deserves snubbing either. Mm
2: -hmm. But I
1: think Stu's right. You've got to how do you say this without sounding like some kind of vote suppressing Nazi? But you've got to find a way to you know filter through the standing of certain films and their fan bases that will, like, you know, you see it on, like, posts on Twitter for football, you know, like, I don't know, Skybet or someone will post something about a club and you'll just get Arsenal fans on it, like a tramp on a bag of chips or Liverpool fans (laughs) that, like, there's got to be a way of, like, making it fair, I guess, because if it just becomes a popularity contest, then it will... It will devalue it, but then I always thought that things like the Oscars—they, the, you know, the people that want to win Oscars, the actors that want to win Oscars—they don't want public adoration. I don't think they want public adoration in terms of spending the money to go see the film, so they get paid more for the next film. But they want the—they want the the plaudits from their peers and mm-hmm. contemporaries, not smelly Joe public.
2: See, so if if I was in an Oscar-winning position. I, I, I would want the, the little people to love me. <laughs> you just to lord it over them? No, because I, I, I'm one of them at heart, so, who knows, it's never too late. <laughs> 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 if, I, if I win anything, then it would be dedicated to the normal people, not the, uh, not the higher-ups.
1: What are you are saying, Stu, would you turn up to the Oscars in, like, T-shirt and jorts? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh if you get away with it, yeah. I, mean, I, I wouldn't. You know, I wear shorts to work. when We're not allowed to, so <laughs> they ain't told me that. They ain't told me now in seven years, have they? So, I'd wear what's what's acceptable within the boundaries. This is this is like Stewie walking on the red carpet, and here we have uh, Stu
1: Hall, um, Best Actor winner, uh, wearing Matt Allen
0: tonight. <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs> Mm. I think my problem with the fan vote, like, what's the point in it? If realistically, the most popular film is the one that's going to get the biggest box office at the end of the year. Mm. So Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be picking up a billion dollars. Surely they care more about that than they do some pissy little Oscar. It's not really worth anything to me to have a fan vote. It's not the Academy voting on it. And yeah, the Academy are a bit stuffy whilst they are trying to diversify, and make things a little bit better. And you can see that from the the list they have picked in all fairness to them. Like we've got several um, foreign language films, including a three hour long one, which apparently is a little bit dull, but I mean, a few years ago that would never have got a look in because of it being foreign language on its own. So you can see that they're doing stuff, but, For me, this isn't it. This isn't what it's about. Like, this is an MTV award, basically. That's all it's worth. This is the kind of award that should just sit in someone's toilet. And (laughs) it's just a funny story when someone goes for a piss round their house one day. That's all it's really worth. It's not the... I should say, it's, it's about your peers respecting you. The Oscars are not Joe Public, which is what the box office is about. So for me, I just don't really think it's worthwhile, if I'm being brutally honest. And plus you've also got the ones who were doing the anti-votes. So people who were all voting for, I think it was Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder film, and then found out that it wasn't eligible. So to try and stop, I think it was Spider-Man from winning. They all started voting for some really awful Cinderella rip-off. <laughs> like... How is that worth what? It's the boaty McBoat face of awards at that point. So <laughs> why bother? I, I don't. I don't get it. It's not not at all prestigious enough to, to do it for me. To be brutally honest,
2: that's where that all, this all started when Joe Mckeldry won um, X Factor, and people were so pissed off with it that they start the whole anti Simon Kell thing. Started the year later. Oh, so he was the the anti vote was he? He, was, he won it. People were shocked and didn't, like, couldn't help. Um, and then the year after, it was like, oh, let's get someone else to number one, which in turn led to Rage getting mm. it years later.
0: Okay. So, yeah, it, I suppose it is. It's the protest vote of it all. And if that's the level you're at, you may as well just scrap it, to be perfectly honest, because it's worthless. Right, okay. The non-film question is you this week, Matt. <laughs> Thank you very much. As a kind of precursor for uh, for a potential
1: music cast down the line, I want to talk about who you think is the greatest chameleon in music. Now, what I mean by that is someone that has changed their musical style either through the decades or through time periods to kind of um, keep themselves relevant um to keep themselves up to date with whatever the emerging trend is at the time. So the first one that comes to mind for me would be David Bowie. Um he went from, you know, Ziggy Stardust, um from 70s glam into when he was doing kind of China Dolls and things like that which was really jarring and going from being proud of being the uncool weirdo to then being a suit-wearing slicked back head synth kind of music which was really strange but it was it was in fitting with the times um and then he's moved later in his career back into kind of sort of semi-rockish um also so and i think you know he kept himself relevant doing that who do you think is the um the best chameleon in in music andy just before i get
0: into my pick I mean like I, I agree I think Barry is the one like he's the the greatest do you think that Barry changed with the times or do you think that Barry changed the times I, I think when
1: when Ziggy Stardust came in he was pioneering and then people like Mark Bolan and T-Rex had to join the party because like T-Rex and, and Mark Boland he was all like hippie hippie music prior to him being you know um you know uh, that the year that everybody knows t-rex form with um you know getting on and that um but then i think towards the end of what well, i guess this was the end of the 70s and the early 80s i think barry started to become less relevant he had the rise of like rap and hip-hop and stuff like that um and so because of that he then had to move with the times. So 70s was very much the era defining he was. I think then into the 80s, he then had to follow the pack.
0: That makes sense, because I think around the early 80s, he went broke, didn't he, if I remember correctly? Mm-hmm. I think he ended up having to move in with, um, with Iggy Pop, and that's where he got onto the smack and stuff. <laughs> so I think he was an innovator, and being the first doesn't usually pay being one of the later ones when it's popular is where the money's at and I think he was ahead of everyone else and I think that's part of where his uh, financial issues at least came from. Um, The answer I've gone with because I didn't want to steal your thunder when you said you were going to go with um, Mr. Berry was going to be Bob Dylan. Mm. Uh, He obviously changed with the times. He was an influence on the Beatles, even though he was like five years younger than John Lennon. He was that great of a musician way, way back when, starting out with the protest music and then moving through into uh, becoming electric, but still keeping it folksy. And then even through to the 70s and 80s, his sound evolved. I don't think it was wholesale changes, but he mellowed and became almost a Lothario when you listen to some of his, Mm. especially around the time of, oh God, um, the In Blue album that he did. I can't remember the the name of it. Uh, It was just after the affair that he had. Like he completely changed who he was and became, and now he's become this travelling troubadour almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think Dylan gets the respect for keeping with the times. I think a lot of people see him, especially as that, Protest folksy yeah. in yeah. the New York Village in the sixties, and people see a lot of that.
1: Yeah, you're right. I think I've got right. a
0: couple of uh, contemporaries that I wanted to mention, but just in case Stu's going to mention them, I'll let him go, and then I'll, I'll give you the other ones I've got.
2: Very much not contemporary. Um, okay, <laughs> it's three of them. BGs. Good call. You go from quite kind of what hippie, kind of low rent, just average in the early seventies until they changed their own sound. And then you go to disco and where'd you How'd you go from disco to things like words, even though it sounds that sound is odd um and no one else has done it probably for the, for a reason they sound unique, but their, their songs are very, very different. And if you, I mean, I can't remember what it was called. The first best of the Bee Gees, um, but you put that on shuffle, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's, like, mm. it's completely, it's like four different eras. And again, they didn't obviously define anything and they move with the times as well as doing their own thing. But I just thought they were geniuses. And it's, it's, uh, that. it's kind of uncool to say anything good about the Bee Gees in, in 2020, mm-hmm. but who cares? It's funny that because um, ABBA are very much,
1: I wouldn't say move with the times, but they, like, what's interesting about ABBA is, their songs became more serious and less europop the more they understood english because mm. it wasn't their first language like the more that they got a grasp of the english language the more that they could express themselves artistically and talk about heartbreak and how the whole band was falling apart it was the right shit show that their songs then became these like more deeper somber meaningful um songs and it wasn't no longer kind of you know dancing queen and that kind mm. of stuff
0: I mean, if you listen to the day before they came, and they reference is East Enders, they reference in it, and like kitchen sink drama, and they have these elements to it. It's completely different to that poppy discoy fluff that they did way way back when. Mm. So yeah, they they definitely went on a hell of a journey. Aber did uh, the the other ones that I was going to mention, the Arctic Monkeys, I think have done yep. a very good job of evolving their sound. I'm not a massive fan, especially from probably the second album onwards. I think that they, they lost me. Um, and the, the other two that I wanted to mention were Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift. I think the way that they've evolved and kept both of the, they alienating their fans or the, the critics, and people still adore them. Like, Gaga started off as, it wasn't throwaway pop, but it almost was throwaway pop. It was almost like a Madonna pastiche. And then it evolves through like this sort of rocky, punky sort of out there sound and has come out the other side. And now she's just, she's more than a musician. She's a Renaissance woman almost. And I think if you look at Taylor Swift, she started out as this really melodic country stuff that, you would probably find on VH1 at like 2 o'clock in the morning that would just be nice background music. And now she writes songs for a generation almost. If you listen to Folklore, it's an exceptionally good album and it's it's almost Dylan-esque back in the 60s to bring my point full circle. The thing is
1: about Taylor Swift is you see where it can go horribly wrong in like Shania Twain coming out of that country world, alienating Mm. your audience completely by becoming more pop. Um, but then the country world doesn't want her anymore, as what is as is what happened for a period of time for Shania Twain. So it does kind of. It's dangerous. It's a, it's a roll of the dice. Sometimes you know you don't want to piss the people off that got you there in the first place. But
2: mm-hmm. you know what? That was similar to when I went to watch um, Feeder at the Civic, mm-hmm. and they some of their early stuff I hadn't listened to. I only knew them from uh, things like when just a day and all that, all that stuff, like the second album was, I was amazed how kind of hard their original music was. It was like, mm. it was proper Rocky yeah. compared to like the indie kind of indie pop fluff that it turned into later on. Um, so you had two different fan bases there, like people who love the original stuff, you're mm. absolutely crazy. And I was like looking around and thinking, I did not sign up for a mosh but, uh, Vida. It's coming out of the blue. Um, yeah, very different sound.
1: Mm, I mean, to 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 end it on more kind of my kind of bag. So not probably uh, they've gone through so many changes in terms of like their musical style. To you know, but I think I attribute that more with age than anything. So at, at first it was, it, it, they they weren't new metal. People think they were new metal because they had a DJ, but they weren't new metal. They were kind of they were they were thrash and and all sorts. Then it got. Very dark around the second album, and it got more just out and out just heavy metal. Then it started getting to like melodic into albums three and four. Then going into like the newer stuff. Now it's a bit more not experimental, but it's a bit more like they just do what they want now. They've got loads of money, so it doesn't really matter. They can they can make their they can make that troubling album like the Arctic Monkeys did with their latest one, where they just want to just do one for them. Mm. Um. So yeah, I mean, there are some real. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day so I won't. But, um, yeah, there's some, there are some real massive changes in, like, artists' catalogues. And, Stu, like you say, actually, if you just listen to a best of, you can have, like, a proper whirlwind ride, can't you? Mm.
2: Unless you put it away, sorry. it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: Brilliant. Right, okay, so what have you been watching lately?
1: Matt? So I finished the... Part one of Ozark series four. Um, Really enjoyed it. Found it difficult after the first episode because I didn't think the recap really gave a lot back. And it had been a while since series three. But yeah, 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 the series ended fantastically. Um, Bateman is just so good. He's just so good in this straight-faced role. There's an element of comedy in his character, but just from his reactions, nothing from what he says... You can still see him as a funny guy, but in a massively serious world still, there's something there. Um, I watched episode one of Peaky Blinders as it released as time recording last Sunday, so a few days ago. Um, didn't realise how difficult it was to understand uh, Cillian Murphy in this. I was literally like, had my head to the telly. I couldn't understand a word that was going on. And and again, it was one that it took me a bit of time to kind of remember what was just going on with the show it was all a bit confusing for me if i'm completely honest and maybe i needed i don't think <laughs> i don't think you should have to do lots of research for a new series but i felt like i needed to um and finally um i started playing um, elden ring which is the new kind of dark souls series and i've never played a, like a proper dark i've played a dark souls game but i never like played it for more than kind of an hour um and i'm just struggling man like <laughs> I, I'm not saying I need my hand holding in games, but I realise that I need a lot of supervision when it comes to. The, I thought I was like really good at sandbox games where you can just go out and do your own thing, but nah. Like, there's no help with this whatsoever. You just let out into the world, and if you if he dies, he dies. And I've died a lot.
0: <laughs> that wonder. sounds so off putting. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I'd give up after like 30 minutes of that. So
1: like I'm at the point now where I'm not I, I I can I can hold my own and I'll beat like a, a semi decent boss, but then I'll get killed by like a crab outside because <laughs> I've got no health and this little crab will just pin, pinch me on the Achilles and I'll die. Yeah, I'm not I, I don't like you like you like Stu, Stu warned me. He basically said to me like you know why punish yourself is essentially what you put in the group yeah and that's exactly what I've, I've done I'm punishing mm-hmm. myself every time I play it
2: yeah which now mm. you know, you can switch to guardians because it's on game pass soon and a nice yeah. fun adventure which is I'm nearly I'm nearly done with it now um sadly but yeah you said about peaky blinders though I am gonna because I haven't watched it yet I'm gonna do a recap of each season because it's been so long and it's got to be two
1: yeah
2: it's got to be two or three years ago. this is what we said with Line of duty as well because it was it was so long since the season before happened or series before happened um you unless you're a lunatic and you remember everything you're not going to you're going to forget things especially with how these shows are kind of staggered anyway so i think i know last time bbc did have it, recap videos on their own youtube channel so um but there's has been to be fan ones anyway so i might just do that and do spend a couple of hours just doing uh last time on and season one two three four whatever all the way through before i start this one because it's too special to miss out on but, which you, yes it is it is you can he's for for the for everyone at home and he's frowning like um like he's just caught his ball sack in a mousetrap <laughs> <laughs> at, at the thought of watching Peaky Blinders, which is obviously very silly of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been watching, after having it for a long time and not getting around to it, Succession, which is fucking out- outrageously good. <laughs> and it is possibly the best sensible TV show I've seen for a, a long, long time. And you're talking talking West Wing, Sopranos level of superb TV. Uh, It's it's HBO, so you know what you're getting there. But Mm. the writing, the characters, everyone. uh, And I I did think the whole Kieran Culkin thing was going to be off-putting. But it's not at all. And he's perfectly cast. He's perfectly cast for what he is. Again, spoiling something that's like four years old at this point, but... I've just started. I've watched the first four episodes of season two now, and it's just getting better and better.
0: And that's been one that's been on my list. Like I remember, as soon as the first season had finished, everyone was raving about it. And for whatever reason, I've just just not found time to watch it. But I know I need to. And to be honest, I, I quite like Rory Calkin, um, Kieran Calkin. So I, I like the Calkins in general. They're ice. So I know these one. I definitely need to make time to to sit and watch. So is it just the two seasons that have been complete so far?
2: I think there's there's two episodes of season three to go. I okay. think, right. Um, but yeah, I'd get. I know you said it's going to be like the Sopranos when you never got round to it, but it's on. There are only ten episodes. Just get just get on it as soon as you can. I mean, it's mm. not even. It's not like the ones that you'd think, like Brian Cox is obviously brilliant, as he mm. always is, but it's the lesser ones who you don't know really who they are before. Okay. Um, they're all on the same level. Like no one is below a nine at any point. Okay. It's, a, it's incredible. And it's one of the rare things like we, we've, we've said over and over again where it's one of them things where you put your phone down or you mm. turn your phone over. So you no distractions whatsoever, and you just concentrate for an hour. And it's, okay, it's just superb. I mean, other than that, I watched. Um, I finally got into watching House, House of Gucci last night, <laughs> and yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it was. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I think I was lured in by the trailer. It's fun, silly bollocks, and yeah, that it, that isn't the
0: film the trailer sells you, is it?
2: No, not at all. And so I, I, it was probably because I wasn't in that frame of mind yesterday to watch it like that. Mm. And as soon as they started talking, I thought, what the hell is this? Where these accents come from? And so I, I just had a quick look at that. Oh, okay, it's, it is intentional. Um, and then I kind of enjoyed it a bit more, but yeah, it was n- not where I thought it would be at all. Another mm. reason to avoid trailers at all costs and probably pay the five quid that Dave asked a bit earlier. <laughs> what I thought was
0: interesting, I was looking at like some of the the reports for who they thought should have got Oscar nominations. And so many articles for, like, variety. They were all saying um, Jared Leto no. was, was like, cruelly snuffling. Are you fucking kidding me? That's the worst performance of the year. It was awful.
2: It was fun, but it was not good. It's clearly a, it's clearly a piss take. Yeah, it's got to be. But the, the way he ended everything, everything was like, mamma mia. And I like putting emphasis oh, was, on every yeah. word at the end of every yeah. every, every sentence.
0: Yeah, it, it was Mario Brothers in the game. It's, a I me mean, it, it was a ab- <laughs> beast. Ab- yeah, it was something else that was. Uh, is that everything, Steve? Uh
2: Yeah, because, yeah, well, I'll mention it next time when I've, I've watched more of it. So, yeah. Okay. For now.
0: Cool. Okay, I'm I'm deep into the Oscars challenge swing. I've got two two films left to watch before the ceremony, um, Parallel Mothers and Drive My Car, which is the three-hour foreign language film that I really just don't want to watch,
2: but it's so got to be done. How many? How many are there in the, in the Oscars challenge? Is it like 147.
0: So. Right, so let me, I've got my list here in front of me.
2: So I want to make sure I've watched all of the best picture,
0: director, actor, supporting actor, actress, supporting actress, adapted screenplay, original screenplay, cinematography, animated. I wanted the documentaries, but I can't find one of them. So I'm going to put that on the back burner. So, altogether, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. There's 18 films that have been nominated for all of those categories, plus another 5 for the animated films. So, luckily, because of having the Cineworld card, I'd seen half of them already, but I had like last week off, so I would plowed through a shitload of them in <laughs> one go. <laughs> So yeah, that that's what I've been doing really, was just making sure I'd, I'd caught up on a lot of them. I watched Luca, which wasn't that good. And mm. like it's not as good as Ron's Gone Wrong, but I fucking bawled my eyes ace at the end of that film. Mm. I was like embarrassing or glycrying at, at the end of it. It was so so moving. But the journey to that point wasn't that impressive. So I'm
2: a bit surprised that one's been nominated. That was um, that was one I forgot about, um, Incanta. Mm. Disappointed, which I didn't. Obviously, the songs were class, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, just, I was just a bit bored. And I think it, it might have been bigged up a bit too much. And mm. I wasn't expecting a bit too much of it. But it's rare that I've come out of a Disney Pixar film and felt like that afterwards. It's always like, oh, that was fun. But it was just so, oh, could have done without mm. that, really. <laughs> it was good not great,
0: I thought. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. i you know, but yeah, I, for me, I still think I think the Mitchells versus the Machines might be the one for the animated
2: man. This the one that Dave was talking about.
0: Mm. It is really good and it's the guys who did Spider-Verse. It's brilliant. Really, really good. Uh what else have I watched? I also watched um The Lost Daughter, which is a Netflix film, which is up for um, Best Actress and Supporting Actress with Olivia Colman and the girl whose name I forgot. Really good film. Really enjoyed it. Maggie Gyllenhaal was the director. I I really love Olivia Colman. She's become the actor that I will watch in absolutely anything. She's always fantastic. Really enjoyed it and it's about a girl who goes missing and then they manage to find her and Olivia Carman's character is dealing with all of her past baggage on her divorce and life with not caring for the children she had. Really moving, really eye-opening, wonderful. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention was a film called Coda, which I hadn't even heard of until... Oh, yeah seeing it on here, which is a film from Apple TV+. And CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it's about the story of a girl who discovers her love of music and her relationship with her family where her mom, dad and brother are all deaf people and how she has to balance helping them whilst helping herself and living her life. It's one of the most moving films I've seen in the last 12 months. It was so impactful. And the guy who plays her dad, uh, Thomas Kotzer, I think his name is, he's up for Best Supporting Actor, and he absolutely blew me away. He was incredible. I was so impressed with his performance. I didn't know this guy. I know pretty much everyone else who was in this movie, but he was a new face to me, and he was superb. Such a moving film that had real heart to it, you properly rooted for the, the, the girl at the centre of it all. It was a brilliant movie. But because it's on Apple TV,
2: not many people have even heard of it, let alone seen it. I'm amazed you haven't seen this though. This I was is... properly up my street, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought you'd hang, be hanging a bit at the back of this on that opening weekend. I mean especially yeah. with that with the Ted Lasso subscription and you couldn't you couldn't move for it being advertised at the top every week. And Whenever
0: I went on to Apple TV, it was literally
2: straight onto to Ted Lasso, Ignore the rest of it. Yeah, because I watched this after, um, that one on Amazon, Sound of Rock. Yes, yeah. And so was saying in a deaf vibe, <laughs> that niche <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I saw it through that and I thought, oh, okay, I'll give this a try. And I, I must have mentioned it last year, so I must have done. Um,
0: I, I don't remember, but yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that it's got a bit of Oscar's love because I think his performance was exceptional. So, yeah, brilliant movie. I, I'd thoroughly recommend that to everybody. It's brilliant. So, first question then is mind this week. And I want to know who is the bec- best actor with whom you share the same
2: front name? Stu. I haven't got one of mine. <laughs> There is none. Are there no Stuarts or Stews? or No, not really. There, there, there's one. I said a lot on IMDb earlier about this, because I've been <laughs> racking my brain for a week, trying to think of it nat- naturally. There's Stuart Wilson in Hot Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh no, yeah, yeah, I recognise his face. Yeah. That's him, so I'm going to cheat and go in my middle name. So then it's going to be Kenneth Branagh, so I win.
0: <laughs> that, that is a good one, to be fair, yeah.
1: <laughs> Matt Kenneth <laughs> it's, I'm not laughing at the fact that it's Kenneth all I can think about is in Peep's show, Mark's nine inch <laughs> dildo, my associate Kenneth
2: <laughs> well for, um, for, for a while well, I did I did change it and I did, at uni I went by Kenny instead of Stu for a yeah, few mate. weeks yeah
0: hmm, how enough. have we never heard that before?
2: I don't know I, I, it, I don't know if Goldie knows that one, actually. Um, did, did people call you Kenny? Yeah, because it was the start of a new year. And they asked me, and I said, Oh, come on, call me Kenny if you want. And it was when I went, yeah, it was when I went back, because I left, and then I went back. And, <laughs> and they asked me my name, and they said, Well, what do you want to be called? And I said, Oh, call me Kenny as a joke. And it kind of stuck. So then people were calling me Kenny for a few, for a few weeks. And I thought, "Now this is too weird. I don't like this. <laughs> But then the whole yeah, when I when I joined the fan cast, that's why it was got abbreviated to SK because of obviously mm. the other one. And um yeah, so technically, yeah. I have been called Kenny at some point. So Kenneth Brenner.
1: Tenuous wow. at best that really, mm. but we'd, it is, we'd take it? it. Um I've probably I've got a few more choices, thankfully. Um <laughs> but I've I've gone for Matthew McConaughey. Just okay. because I there's something hypnotic about the way he speaks that really makes me listen. Like, I don't know. There's just something about the way he speaks that I find really, Mm -hmm. um, not hypnotizing because it's not always pleasant, the things that he's saying, but I think he's got a voice that I just, I just like to hear, especially like the, like the way he talks in the Wolf on Wall Street, you know, he steals that scene so much. Um, and, I, and you know Dallas Buyers Club as well. Like you, you got your eyes glued to him the whole time. I mean, for for good reasons because of this, you know, his state in the film. But um, I just really like the way that I I just like watching him perform. I think he's a very like watching him act. I think he's um, more often than not. I you know I enjoy seeing him in you know do his things. So McConaughey for me.
2: You know what I said about um, TV that you put your phone into. to. True Detective season one is probably mm. the last time something was as good as Succession is, and McConaughey in right. that was. You are his his draw in that in that yeah, series. Yeah, there's
0: something about it. I don't know what it is. It's almost melodic, isn't it? The mm. the patter to his voice and it, it draws you in. I think that's the quality he has, which is amazing, really, because he went through a period of like the late nineties to early noughties of. Just completely ignorable pap.
1: Oh, man. Like, how to lose a guy in 10 dates territory. Mm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but, the, you know, going into kind of like interstellar and things like that. And even the, like the gentleman, like um, in more recent times, you know what I mean? Like, he's just, just someone that I, I just like to watch. In, mm. uh, I like to see him, you know, give his chops on film.
0: Mm. Yeah. I when when I asked the question I thought i I'll, I'll have now have a look and see who I can actually pick from. And I realised that's real slim pickings for Andrew or Andy's. Um so I've got two really. I've got best and favourite I suppose. Like I like Andrew Lincoln, but Rick Grimes went wayward quickly and his character in Love actually was a thirty year old trying to date a nineteen year old who was married to his friend. So I can't really say (laughs) he's done much worthy of mention on the big screen. So I think the best is probably Andrew Garfield. He's actually matured into a really exceptionally talented actor, especially when you watch like Tick Tick Boom and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. He's a really good presence in movies but he's definitely not my favorite my favorite would be andy samberg like he's an Mm. actor a filmmaker a musician a writer he's a renaissance man he's got a bit of everything musically obviously it's very much comedy but he's got chops in that world he's actually quite a talented musician surprisingly because what he does is very niche
1: Mm. i was convinced you were going to say andy garcia
0: no, that's no Andy Not, Serkis. Okay. Well, I, I do like Andy Serkis, yeah. But again, he's he's fine. I I never dislike him in anything, but I wouldn't say I've ever raved about a performance. But with with Sandberg, like you've got so the list here: Hot Rod, King, great comedy that again nobody's ever seen. Pop star, <laughs> never stop, never stopping brigsby bear palm springs springs he produced and wrote on most of those films as well and of course he was jake peralta in brooklyn 99 which is one of my favorite us sitcoms of the 2010s so i think he's a real underrated all-rounder to be honest andy Sandberg. he's excellent
1: i don't think he gets the love on these shores either because we don't digest saturday night live now on these shores but in america they've Fucking go mad for that, and he was a huge part of that with the Lonely Island.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dick in a Box is a fucking hell of a song, and he won a Grammy for that, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so, it's on his way to getting the EGOT.
2: I don't know why no one's ever took that up, just to put it on here or Saturday Night Live.
0: Yeah, um, if I remember put... correctly, they had it on like Comedy Central or something like that for a very short period of time. Uh, back in the late 90s, early noughties. And I assume he got no viewers, and that was why it didn't last. But the, you are they, right,
2: yeah. And they used to have Letterman on ITV too, the day mm-hmm. after it was out o- over there, obviously, not at the, the same time. And I used to watch it pretty much, not every night, but at least two or three nights a week.
0: Mm. It's you the, are right. It's, it's a weird thing that this country is
2: completely overlooked. You think if you... I mean, other than now, there's no heartbeat anymore, you'd think put it in Saturday Night Live on Sunday night when there's when there's fuck all else to do. You'd think it would be a great thing to do, wouldn't you? But no. Mm.
0: Yeah. Right. So that's me, Matt. Your question, please.
1: So, I want to know. I mean, I've um, forgot if I'm being completely nice. <laughs> Cut this bit <video> out. <laughs> hangover, uh, Matt.
0: Hangover. Yes,
1: film. well yes, yes, I've had a brain hangover. What I want to know is what is your favourite, what is your favourite go-to Sunday hangover film? Now, what's important about this is I need to tell you the time of the day you're going to be watching this film as well. Okay. Because by the afternoon, by the evening, that hangover might be gone. So you can stomach something maybe a little more Hardcore. I'm talking one in the afternoon here. So you've only been up a couple of hours because you've been at Planet till four in the, four or five in the morning. <laughs> you can't eat anything yet, but it's one o'clock and you just need to put something on the telly just to see you through for the next few hours until you feel human again.
2: What are you watching, Stu? The, the main problem with this is that I don't really get hangovers, do I? And, and when I do, I, I never put anything... On just in the background, it's always something. I, on a, especially on a Sunday, like I'll, in in the bad days when I'd be absolutely wrecked beyond belief, and I'd get up, I'd have a, a tomato and basil cup of soup and a, and a cheese bread sandwich and a co- and a coffee, and then <laughs> and then I'd be all right for a bit, and then I watch girls on Sunday. So that's what I used to do. But Phil, in the times when I've not been at home. It's been this film more than more than twice, which is quite worrying, and it's ch- chitty bang bang. <laughs> oh wow, that's far and, too happy. And exactly yeah, for that, it's just happiness all it, from pretty much start to finish, and it it screams Sunday as well. I know, like we were talking about Sundays on and films being on five and five star last week, um, but that film just screams Sunday, like Mary Poppins used to as well it's just something about it mm. and even even now god knows how many years after it came out it's still put it on yeah it looks terrible now but it, it makes me smile so i think that's kind of the the objective
1: fair, fair. yeah uh,
2: fair. andy what what would
0: yours be i when i started making a list before It out i realized that all of the films on the list, they were either Kevin Smith films <laughs> or they were Matt Stone and Trey Parker films that that's literally all the films on my list. But then I, I realized I went through a period of time. Like I'd get back from blast Off or wherever, and then put a film on and it would always be chasing Amy clerks dogma. So I don't think it would be the Kevin Smith films. It would probably be basketball. If I'm being honest. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I love basketball. It's, it's one of the worst films you'll ever see, but it's absolutely superb. Have you ever seen it, Matt?
1: I've seen it once mm. many many I, years ago. I probably I, didn't appreciate it at the time in the like the the whole Kevin Smith universe I probably need to watch now in my in my more senior days because when I watched it at the time, I never really got it.
0: mm that's fair, but yeah, I, I love basketball, so it's a film about. Matt and Trey just play these two losers who rather than try and play 2 on 2 basketball against these two studs, make up a game where they basically play horse, but change it to baseball rules. And then it beco- it goes from being something played in the backyards to this league that takes over the whole of America. And you've got Jenny McCarthy and Carmen Electra. <laughs> and it's just fucking absurd. It's such <laughs> a really ridiculously fun comedy that doesn't get the props it deserves. It kind of gets a little bit ignored. Um, it's not challenging in the slightest. And that's what I want when I'm hungover. I want something that I can just giggle along to. I don't have to process anything. And if there's someone getting bullied and beaten up, all the better. So, yeah, Basketball for me is the one.
2: Yasmin Bleeth as well.
0: Jasmine Bleeth. Fuck you now.
2: So mine... Um
1: is a film that I can put on at any time or I can miss because I've had to have a 15 minute emergency disco nap. Um, and that would be liar, liar, the, um, Jim Carrey, um, film because there's something very safe about liar, liar. (laughs) It's so there's something it's always on. If it's not on ITV three, it's on ITV four. If it's not on ITV (laughs) four, it's on ITV (laughs) two. Um, and there's always funny moments in it that you know are coming, and it's recitable. But you can you can jump in at any time and not like have to have watched any of it. Like you could watch the last twenty minutes and you'd still enjoy it. You can watch the first fifteen, still enjoy it, then go to sleep and be sick on yourself. Like it's <laughs> like it's it's not it's not like my favorite film of all time by any stretch of the imagination, but. On a Sunday when I just need a like Stu said I just need a ray of happiness. Jim Jim Carey is there for me when I need him the most.
0: I was certain you were gonna say this is final tap. I don't know why I <laughs> thought that was gonna be your go-to. Too I did,
1: I did think that, but yeah, I mean I do not I I I d I don't I don't have it in me to to turn it up to eleven when I'm hungover.
0: Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> right, then uh Stu, your question, please.
2: In the wake of um Mark Hamill's appearance in uh, Book of Boba Fett a few weeks ago. Is this right now that <laughs> characters are uh, so <laughs> set in the past or that the, the, the actors playing these characters are so old now that they have to be digitally altered to look like they're the younger selves? Or should we just recast them at this point? Because... I didn't think it looked that bad at all this time with, um, with Luke in that show. I thought it was okay. I thought it was perfectly fine. And then the, the, the mannerisms were there and the kind of the tone of voice was still there. But some people were absolutely outraged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, should they just give it to Sebastian Stan like people were crying out to? <laughs> or is this acceptable now that the technology is nearly perfect?
1: Matthew. I solely think it's down to budget and time that can be spent in the editing suite because when it works and it works fine and it's almost seamless then yeah. But when it's jarring, Christ, does it become jarring? Like, you know, it can really stand out like a sore thumb and you're no longer talking about the scene or the, you're just talking about the horrible look of a, of a character. Um, it depends as well like, you know if it depends if you go in soft reboot or your where you are if you're trying to like revitalize a franchise, I think recasting is probably the way forward because you need a clean break in some scenarios. But when you've got like Star Wars, when you've got such an active and you know um, passionate fan base, and you've got all of this canon behind it. There's no problem with it because it didn't look bad, but it's a tough one. It, it, if it's going to look shit, don't just don't attempt it because it will take you out of the scene completely. And then that, you know, becomes a bigger issue then.
0: Yeah. Um, so like when you'd put this as your question in the group, Stu, and I'd said that I'd got this earmark for a future question of one of mine, mine was more about using the likeness of a dead actor, thinking about Peter Cushing in Mm. Rogue One. And and that's basically where we're at now. If you need Chadwick Boseman in a film, you can now have Chadwick Boseman in a film. And I don't think that's right, if I'm being honest. Um, Like, there are opportunities for other actors to go out there now and make a name for themselves. Why couldn't you have cast Sebastian Stan? Luke Skywalker, you haven't cast Mark Hamill as him, you've cast the ghost of Mark Hamill's youth (laughs) as him. Like, it's not right. And, yeah, it may look a little bit different, but at the same time, we know where we are in the world. And, yeah, you want to be immersed in what you're seeing on the screen, but you know that what you're seeing on the screen isn't real life. It is a TV show, a film, or whatever it is. So I don't think it's right that we can now literally recreate people from the grave and put them onto the TV or cinema screen. I think we can do better than that. And I think people can make a name for themselves by doing it. And, you know, just limiting the pool. So now we can have your stars from the 40s, 50s, 60s coming back and doing films. So where's it going to stop? It's all about marching forward, not constantly looking back behind us. I think personally, so I would rather they avoided it personally.
2: I think the the Burman thing's a good point actually. I mean, if so, the the owners of the estate, which is a terrible term, but mm-hmm. if his family sign it off, and they need a way to get around this problem now, that how do you get rid of Black Panther to move on? If it was. A scene, a single scene where he's, I don't know, he falls over and breaks his arm or whatever, but, and chooses to retire just a yeah, argument's sake. And they have him back and it's obviously, it's synthetic voice of his and whatever. Just to pass the baton on, I think that'll be okay because he's not going to be, it's not going to be there all the time, is he? which is, I think, what they've done with Luke in this because we've got the fucking solo film that recast two characters already <laughs> in, the, in the same Star Wars universe and, and no one really cares about that because I, I liked that film and I thought he was all right. But it, it gets shit on quite a lot, but it wasn't bad, bad. Um, but they've already done it once and I think if they've just had uh, I mean, little glimpses of Luke like this, it's not as bad as having... I don't, I don't think they'd be able to afford it really just to have it all a whole show of Luke Skywalker now from looking like he did 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> I think that's impossible. Mm. But I, I don't mind it when it's bite sized like this. Um, the layer stuff was nonsense in Rogue One, there's no need for that at all Mm-mm. at the end. You could have just showed the back of her like you did before it faced and ended it there. That would have been fine. Um but you using it sparingly, I don't have a problem with it. if you're gonna go further than that, then I think that's where he goes too far
0: mm-hmm. well yeah cause, i mean i I read the other day was it Christopher nolan I, there's a director who is thinking about recreating Bullet the Steve McQueen film and bringing that character back. What's to stop someone casting Steve McQueen as bullet in that mm-hmm. film now like Yeah, I I wouldn't want it, like you say, if it was going to be the star of the movie. I don't think it would be fair. Good question, though. I I quite enjoyed thinking about that. as a thought experiment. Right, okay. uh, Quick quiz time. One star Amazon reviews. I've got three (laughs) for each of you. Uh, Matt, easy one to kick off, possibly. Mm. There was no witch. I'm unsubscribing from Amazon Prime. There was no witch. Oh,
1: I don't know. Uh, there was no witch. I know from Amazon Prime,
0: not the witches.
2: <laughs> it wasn't the witches, no. Stu, to steal—is it the the witch mountain film?
0: No, no, it's the Blair witch.
1: Oh, you never see the witch? Yeah, of course. God, I'm thinking. Oh, I could think. Oh, I couldn't stop thinking of Scarlet Witch, and I was like, no, it's not that. And then <laughs> could get that out of my
0: head. <laughs> no, oh, I feel stupid now. Stu, this is horrible. Not at all how it is depicted in the Bible. I don't think you'll get this.
2: Oh dear. Um, That terrible Noah's Ark film from a while ago. No, it's not.
0: Matt? Passion of the Christ? (laughs) No. It is The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay, Matt. It's disappointing animals simply don't talk or sing.
1: Uh, sing.
0: No, it's not. Oh, Zootopia. It no, it's not. Unfortunately, it is The Lion King,
2: nineteen
0: ninety four. Oh. Stu, there are no wolves in this movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the dances with wolves.
0: <laughs> it's not, Matt.
1: Uh, okay, well, let's think about this logically now. There are no wolves in this movie. And it's not Dances with Wolves. Uh, the Wolf on Wall Street. It's the
0: Wolf on Wall Street. <laughs> there we go, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, Matt, yours I can is... win. I can win with this. You can. Uh, absolutely horrified. I thought it was a claymation movie like Shaun of the Sheep. My three-year-old hasn't said anything since we watched this. Oh... What am I supposed to do is give you the years? I, I know um, what this is. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it
2: is it is it gremlins?
0: No, it's not gremlins. Shit. Okay.
2: <laughs> is, Stew- it, is it sausage party?
0: No, it's not. It's silence of the lambs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stu, you need this to tie. Awful. It looked like it was filmed in the seventies.
2: Um, this could be anything.
0: <laughs> Probably something from. Oh. Think of the kind of idiots who posts
2: on Amazon. <laughs> Again, it could be anything. <laughs> um, filmed in the seventies. I don't know. should this list? Why not? No,
0: it wasn't. Matt. Boogie nights. No, it was Star Wars A New Hope, which was filmed in the 70s. <laughs> okay. So, Matt, with, you've won one now. With one point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes, I love it. That's how we like it.
0: Yeah. Next time, I, if I give you the years, maybe that might help yeah, narrow it down it slightly. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's us done this week. Next up, we'll be reviewing Vampire's Kiss. You'll know the memes for this one. They're everywhere. Um, Right, so this is available to rent or buy from Apple. I would not recommend separating with your hard-earned money on this one, unless you want something that is completely off-the-walls madness. You can completely ignore what I've just said. We've had an 11th hour change of heart, and unsurprisingly, we'll be discussing our review of The Batman next week. And we'll be reviewing Vampire's Kiss two weeks later than originally planned. Uh, Please make sure that you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, and our email is cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Please make sure that you subscribe and if you could rate and review, we would love you forever. Thank you once again for your time this week. Uh, For this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye?
1: Take it easy, everybody, and stay safe out there in the world.
0: Kenny, would you like to say goodbye?
2: (laughs) Oh, I was trying to think of a Kenny Rogers song. See you later. Love you all. Mm.
0: And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other.
2: Oh, my God. They killed Kenny. You bastards.